Whether you are preparing a space on behalf of your company or an external client, or whether you're arranging a presentation in-house, whether it be a large conference or a seminar, whether you're self-employed or a freelancer, you may be a motivational speaker that organizes your own events. Whatever the category you fall into, professional, well-organized events are essential. This course will assist you and help you to consider elements of planning that you may not have considered before, but will aid you to have a successful event. This is Preparing Your Space for a Professional Presentation. My name is Sonia Harris. Let's get into it. Prior to your event, there's a lot to do. There is a lot to do, but it will make your day run smoother. The more you plan for your event, the less you'll have to take care of on the day. Before your event, your seminar, your conference, your in-house meeting, there will be some form of conversation. Whether you're being hired by an external client or you're receiving instructions from your employer or whether you're having this, uh, or this event for yourself, there will be some kind of communication or a thought or a vision in your head of how you want the event to go. And so it's important that you listen to the instructions from your employer or from your client and hear what it is that they're saying so that you get an idea of what it is that they want as an end result. These conversations are an opportunity for you to receive your instructions, but be very clear that this is not the time to go through every single minute detail of the event. Please remember that the client or your employer has hired you to run the event, and so they don't really want to be bothered with all of the detail. That's your job. And so it's important that you keep focused on what it is that they're saying, finish your conversation, end your call, and then begin to plan for yourself. Is it possible to visit the site in advance? It's always a great idea to visit beforehand because then you get a real feel of the space that you're going to be preparing for. Another advantage of doing a site visit is you can then get to see what is around your venue. It may be that people are visiting or flying in to attend your conference or seminar, and they may find it useful to have information about eateries that are nearby or places to visit. It might be useful, it may not be used, but if it is, it's great to have that information ready and available to your delegates. When you're doing your site visit, do take the opportunity to ask questions and to look at every part of the room look at your entrance, look at where your delegates will be coming in and what that looks like to them and what it would look like to them on the day. Do you need to do additional decoration or do you need to do some covering up? Ask questions to the venue host and see whether there's any uh, particular details that you need to know at this stage. It's essential that you do research on your venue. Have a look online. There's so much available to us in this day and age. More than likely, there will be um, an image gallery and also some reviews to have a look at. Now, please bear in mind with the image gallery, 
most venues, most establishments will give you a nice, attractive, wide lens shot of the room that you will be using. Of course, they're going to give you their very best images. They're really not going to highlight any part of the room or corridor or anything that's not so attractive. And so it's important that you bear that in mind. It's great if you have either images or reviews from people who have used the venue for themselves, have hired that same venue and have taken the time to put some honest reviews on their website. Um, you'll probably get more of a re real picture of the venue from those types of reviews rather than the reviews and images from the management because of course everybody wants to sell their product in the very best light. It's also a good idea to check the measurements of your room. Uh, these should either be listed on the site or you may have to ask for them when you have a conversation. But measurements are very important because very often what we do, especially if organizing events and seminars are, are you know, part of our role or we've been doing it for a long time, is we can often have a picture in our heads of what we imagine the room to look like or the setup of the room because it worked very well last time in a different venue. But you may find that having 10 chairs in a row with a center aisle doesn't actually fit in the room that you're now hiring in this alternative venue. So it's great to look at the measurements and allow for aisle space and fire exits and, and that kind of thing, accessibility. So always check the room measurements. Do make contact with your venue. Have a, a person that you are communi communicating with at the venue and do have a conversation with them and run through all of your requirements. Don't allow them to rush you through your planning because, again, they may do this all day long, every day of the week. But you need to be very specific about what you require and what you need for your particular event. And so resist the temptation to be rushed through um, as they ask you questions um, asking you to, you know, move on through your list of what it is that you want. Do take your time and also at this point, do re request the very specific items that you will need. For example, if you're having a seminar where the speaker wants to move around the room or wants to interact with their delegates, you'll need a cordless microphone. Now, don't take for granted that that's what you will get. You'll probably get a corded microphone, which means movements are restricted for the speaker. Now, on the day, you may not be able to put that right. And so that's a restriction on your event that you didn't anticipate, but there's nothing you can do about it. So it's those kinds of details that you need to request specifically from the venue. Once you've had that conversation, do then send an email and be specific in the email about the details you have discussed in your conversation. This is gonna be your evidence your paper trail. If anything were to not be in place that you have requested on the day, this is going to be your evidence that you have requested it and the venue are within their rights to put things right for you. But you will need to have it written down. A verbal conversation won't be enough because quite often what happens is the team that you will work with or the individual you will work with to plan your event will not be the person that is present on the day of your event.
Once you've had your conversations and you've sent your email, it's time to collate the information. Now, the best way I have found to do this is to have a working document, like a schedule that you continuously update with all of the information with regards to this particular event. The reason you will need to do this is for any reason you are pulled out of the equation and you can no longer run with this event, this should not affect your employer or your client. Somebody else should be able to pick up and run with the instructions and directions that you've already put on paper. So you will need to have even the most obvious things like the date, the title of the event, the time, the venue. All of those details need to go onto your schedule and then you will have a running time order of what needs to happen, by whom and when. Now, you may be a person who likes a lot of detail and will put every single intricate part of what needs to happen into that schedule. And that's okay. But bear in mind that not everybody will want to read it. And quite often people will be put off by the number of pages or the amount of text that they can see in front of them and may discard or put aside the schedule that you've worked so hard to put together. Now, if that's you, this is not a problem, but it may be that you need to formulate a simplified schedule for everybody else and keep the detailed version for yourself. With regards to the schedule, you obviously need to have a copy. It's advisable to give a simplified copy to the venue themselves, to anybody that's assisting you, potentially to the guest speaker or whoever is going to be um, delivering the message or the presentation, because it's good for them to know the timings. Of course, if they don't want to be bothered with that, you may just need to indicate to them that it's time to wrap up or that they have five minutes left, etc., etc. But it's important that your schedule has all of the details so that in your absence, somebody else can run with the event if needed. Also consider, is there any particular advertising or branding that has been applied to your event? If it's more of a social event, for example, a wedding, a reception, um, a, a book launch or something like that, there's more likely to be some kind of branding. And if so, do you want to tie in color schemes? Do you want to apply some form of decoration that will tie in with the branding? That's a decision for you to make with your client or for yourself if it's your own event. Um, but it's advisable to not go completely against the grain. So, for example, if the invitation or the branding or advertising is a very traditional style, you may not want to go with a very minimalistic contemporary style for your, your room or your space. So do consider the advertising or branding when you are planning your event. Now that you have many of the details, if not all of the details that you'll need to plan your event, it's always advisable to have a timeline. Now I've stated here, start at the end and work backwards. Some of you will understand what I mean by that. Some of you may find that a bit odd. What I mean by that is if your end date is the date of your event, then put that in and work backwards to allow yourself the allocated time or given time to be able to pull your event off with success. 
So for example, if your caterers need to know final numbers or final seating plans or dietary requirements two days or one day or a week before your event, then you would put that into your timeline one week prior to your event. But let me add, this is your baby. It relies upon you to be a successful event. Everybody else is not really going to have it as high a priority as you will. And so they may not stick to the timelines that you give them. So do allow for slippage time. I would always have at least two weeks of slippage time, if not more, depending on the event itself. But if there's a required amount of um, text or a speech that needs to be written by somebody else or whatever it may be and they've got three days I would say to them I need it tomorrow so even if they're a day late by my standards they're still early now let's consider the room layouts in advance so that you're not trying to squeeze people into a small space because of your preferred seating. Different types of seating will be suitable for different types of events. So let's have a look at a few of the different layouts that you could use. Now here we have the boardroom style. It's very popular, it's known to most people. This style is very, very useful for smaller numbers and probably preferable for things like focus groups, discussion groups, or smaller groups of people who may be working whilst they meet. For example, they may have laptops on the table with them, or they may be scribbling things on a whiteboard um, or on a flip chart. It really depends on what the meeting is for. So for smaller numbers, this is advisable. It's much more intimate, if you'd like. And because you have your table in the middle, you can really spread out and have, you know, refreshments and things on the table as well. One thing that I would advise or ask your the host, if it's not yourself, the host of this meeting to consider is not to be seated here. Or here. This is often what happens. The most important person, who is often the person hosting the meeting um, or chairing the meeting, tends to sit at the head of the table, which is, you know, that's fine. It's understandable. But what then happens is if they're seated at one end, the people at the other end are quite a far distance away from them. So it could be difficult to hear or see whatever it is that they're wanting to discuss. Can I suggest that you suggest that they sit maybe here or over here, which means there's a shorter distance, a shorter line of sight between them and the people nearest to them. Do you see? Just a suggestion, but it might be useful to avoid not being able to see what the person is presenting. Now, this space is also very good, as I said, if people are doing presentations or examples or sharing documents on laptops, they can simply flip their laptop around and most people would be able to see what's on their screen. So there isn't always a requirement for a big slideshow for a meeting like this. But of course, if there is to be a slideshow, that's more than suitable.
The U-shaped setup is very useful for smaller groups, small to medium groups, but for very interactive teaching. So you have your host, your group leader, your teacher up here. But they can move around. They have access because they can go down the center of the table and they have access to whoever is seated. Also, all of your delegates are facing the center so they can see the teacher. So this setup is great for small to medium groups, great access. You have tables in front of you. And so if there is a slideshow or a presentation that's happening at this end of the room, everybody can still see. Your host can move out of the way. They're moving around the room because it's interactive and everybody can see the screen. So this is great for teaching of smaller groups, taking notes, using laptops, being interactive. Be very mindful that nowadays more and more people are using their laptops or their electronics in a meeting. So you may need to consider having PowerPoints to be able to power these appliances. Theatre style is probably the most commonly used setup for most meetings. Now, theatre style is most suited to large numbers um, and for minimal note taking, if any at all. It's focused on teaching from the front. So the person would normally be on the stage or be up at the front. They may move around the room, but really this style is suitable for those who are just asked, required to listen, not so much to take any notes or to interact in any way. At best, they may call somebody, one or two people up onto the stage to give examples or things, but really this is the best setup for larger numbers. You don't have to have a center aisle, but it's advisable just for easy access because human nature tends to, I wouldn't say dictate, but they there's a preference for sitting on the end of an aisle. I don't know if you've noticed in bigger spaces, people tend to sit at the end. They don't always move into the middle. So this particular setup gives four aisles access points. So you have here, you have here, you have here, and you have here. So if people really want to sit on the aisle, they have options. And then there are, you know, the spaces in the middle for people to move into. But it's not such a long aisle, a long sort of um, row of seating so people can move into the space. Now, classroom style is very good. If you have a larger room, but not too many delegates, it means that each of them either each of them or like you can see in the photo here three people can share one long table but it means it can be very interactive it means that you can use laptops and tablets note paper you can have refreshments on the table in front of you it's a more um it's better for teaching more than anything else not so much for entertainment or anything like that because it's kind of a no frills setup it's not something you're going to put, you know, a centerpiece on the, each table. It's going to be very basic, if you like, very tidy, but very basic. And it's really about teaching and learning. Now, with cabaret style, we're now looking at a bit more of a, a mixture of what's going to happen at your event. So this can be great for teaching and especially for interaction as well. 
but you've also got your your round tables which means that people can interact with each other they can have discussion groups they can have food and drinks on the table if they require um, and you can also have forms of entertainment things for people to watch um, from the stage um, it's good for speeches also and for the social meetings that have speeches because everybody's facing the same way and the reason why it's called cabaret style is because um, if you think about cabaret, it's about social settings. It's about watching entertainment. It's about interacting with other people and laughing and talking and having conversations. And that's what it was originally used for. And now we use it more as a form of teaching. But it is a great way to intersperse all of those things together. Now, banqueting style is, as it says, it's more for your banquets, your dinners, um, great for discussions, great for social interaction, not great for teaching from the front, not great because those who have, face, have their backs facing the stage or the focal point now have to turn their chairs around. They're probably um, an, an obstruction to those who are sitting on their table, who are now looking at those people's backs. And so it's not a great idea to have uh, a banqueting style when you're doing lots and lots of teaching or talking. This is very much more a social setup. There's also your reception style where there aren't any tables or chairs and it's just an open space. And those are great for networking. If you want people to just come together, whether they know each other or not, but you want them to talk to each other by having no furniture in the room, per se, no tables and chairs to sit at, they are almost forced to move around the room and speak to each other. And they're expected. They know that the expectation of them is to intermingle with others. Now, if you do have a, that kind of setup, it, you could have some bar tables, maybe. Uh, where people can rest their drinks or if they're having nibbles or something, they can lay them down on those tables. But it's it's clear that these are not for sitting at. There are no chairs. And so please do network. Now let's move on to setting up and packing down. At this stage, I'd like you to consider your higher time for your venue may not include a set up and pack down time. So, for example, if you hire your venue from nine to five and your event is from nine to five, you haven't allowed yourself any time to set up and to pack down at the end. Now, I had a, a, a situation um, whereby I was hired to come and deliver an interactive talk with a group of people and the person who hired me hadn't thought about the setup and the pack down. When she arrived to set up early on the day, she wasn't allowed access to the space. Uh, and it was made clear to her that she hadn't hired additional or paid for additional time to set up. And therefore, the result was that I had arrived and the guests, the delegates had arrived and she was still trying to set up frantically. And it looked dreadful. To make things worse, at the end of the session, I was advised that we were finishing at a set time and I finished at that time, but I was interacting with the delegates and they were asking me questions about what had just been taught. And the venue overseers, caretakers, 
whatever we want to call them. They swooped into the room and began stacking chairs and moving tables and packing everything away whilst we were still there. And it looked awful. So this is why I've put in here, set up and pack down. Do include time for this. Now, your venue may say you can set up the night before or the day before if they don't have another booking. They may say, absolutely not. The time that you hire is the time that you have. So what I would say to you is if you if you are able to adjust the timing of your event to say 10 o'clock um, and you hire the space from eight o'clock to give yourself a couple of hours to set up and the same at the end as well. Finish at four and then you can be out by five or six. But be mindful when they tell you the time that you have. They are they are saying this is all of the time you have. The day before your event, although you've already made contact with your venue and you've probably been communicating with them along the way, the day before it's important to just send a quick email reminding them of your requirements and saying, I will see you tomorrow. I'll be arriving at a given time. This will make sure that they are ready for you, ready for your arrival, and that they have put everything in place that you have requested. It's better that you they sort that, even if it's only the day before that they're trying to put everything together. It's better that that happens rather than when you arrive, because that will waste a lot of your time. Also, the day before, have your list, your own personal list of what it is that you're bringing with you either from home or from the office or purchasing, have it with you and have a written list or a typed list and bring it with you. Pack up all of those things the day before, if not prior to that, and take them with you. Don't leave that until the day of the event to be doing packing for yourself. Always do that beforehand. Now, having a toolkit means that you're ready. When I say ready, I mean you have all of your essentials and all of your spares with you. Now, my toolkit consists, it's grown over time and it consists of such a wide variety of items that I won't bore you with the full list, but I'll give you a few examples. So in my toolkit, I have spare pens, pencils, erasers. I have drawing pins, paper clips. I have, um, the elastic bands, safety pins, highlighters, blue tack, sticky tape, that kind of thing. Now, you may think, well, the venue will probably have those things. Do not rely on them. They may be quite happy to give you a bit of sticky tape, but they're probably not going to be happy if you need a whole roll or you keep going back and asking them for things. First of all, it doesn't make you look very efficient. And it's always a good idea if you are any kind of event organizer or your company frequently uses a venue for hire, you need to be portrayed as somebody who is organized because they may recommend you to another company. They may even ask you to organize their own events, their Christmas party, for example, where everybody's off duty and they need somebody to run it. Always be prepared so that the people you are working with see your efficiency. Now, your toolkit comes with you to every event. 
it doesn't have to be this big cumbersome builders looking toolkit it can be in a wonderful beautifully presented package it can be in a lovely little case whatever works for you whatever's easy it can be in a backpack it doesn't matter but it's what it contains that matters and it's essential that you build a toolkit that you have with you for every eventuality now we're going to have a look at what happens on the day of the event when you arrive at your venue whether you have been to visit prior or whether you're seeing the room for the first time I suggest you arrive at least two hours before your event now you may say well it will only take me 20 minutes to set up and it may do if everything goes well and everything is in place and everything is working and the trains are not delayed and other people are not delayed and your speaker is not held up I wouldn't risk it. If possible, bring somebody with you, whether that be a colleague that works with you. If it's your own event, bring a friend, a family member, somebody who is efficient. Um, always have somebody, at least one person with you to assist you, even on a small event. And I'll go on to explain why. When you arrive, go to the front of your room where your speech speaker teacher will take wherever they're going to stand so that may be on a stage it may be a focal point of the room stand where they will stand and just feel the room what can you see in your eyeline as you look out over the room are there any parts of the room that are particularly unattractive that may need to be covered or something put to stand in front of it is there any part of the room that is causing you to lose focus? Is there something that's moving around, you know, um, at the opposite end of the room that's going to be distracting for the person that's speaking? If there's anything that catches your eye, it may be that it needs to either be removed or covered. There may be things that you can't do anything about, and that's fine. But it's good to be aware of what is up there. Check your lighting that there is no spotlight shining straight into the face of the person speaking, which can often be the case and maybe is unavoidable. But again, at least you could speak to your speaker about it and see how they feel about it, but you're already aware. What we're trying to avoid here is no surprises. Once you've had a feel of what it's like to be at the front of the room, facing your delegates or your audience, now move to the back of the room how does that feel? And I say the word feel, not look. How does it feel? Because the back of the room, presumably, is where your delegates are going to enter. It's the first thing they're going to see as they enter the room. They will summarise in their minds what this event will be like based on what they see. Now, again, if you see anything that's particularly unattractive or distracting, can it be removed? Can it be covered? Now move to the sides of the room. If you have a speaker that likes to move around, is there anything that's obstructing the way? What can you see? Feel your whole room before you do anything else. And this can take a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be a long time. Feel your room. What's the temperature in your room? Is it too hot? Is it stuffy? 
Is it muggy? Is it too cold? Find out where the controls for air conditioning or heating are and adjust them accordingly. Bear in mind, when your room fills up with bodies, with your delegates, the temperature will rise. But depending on the time of year and the climate and, and you know the, the, the venue itself, adjust the temperature so that it's comfortable and a little bit below where you would ideally like it to be. You may want to adjust the temperature again when people arrive. That's entirely up to you. But do know where the controls are. The same with your lighting. Is the lighting suitable for the event? For example, if you're having a dinner, you may even be having tea lights on the tables or, you know, some kind of gentle lighting. You don't want harsh overhead lighting coming down onto your delegates. It may be that you're having a teaching seminar and you're thinking, keep the lights low because then they'll be able to see the presentation on the screen better. Understandable. But can they see their notes in front of them? Can they see to write down their notes? Can you find a level of lighting somewhere in between? I'll give you another example. I had a situation at a, um, a teaching seminar not too long ago where we used a venue that had, I think, four or five beams of lighting and each beam had censored lighting. So when the room wasn't being used, the lights would automatically turn themselves off which is wonderful for the venue because it saves them lots of money in utilities. But for us, every time I stood still for too long, the lights would, and I'm, I'm talking within, you know, maybe a minute or two, the lights would go off in, in the space that I was in. And this went on throughout the room. So if the delegates stayed still long enough, their beam of lighting would go off. And so it was a little bit frustrating. It didn't ruin the event, but it was a bit frustrating. But it's all, if the, even if there's nothing you can do about it, it's good to know. Because if I had known, I would have maybe made a joke about it and said to the, to the um, delegates that this is what's happening with the lighting. So they're not concerned. They're aware of it. They're used to it. The next thing to do is test your technology. So your laptop, your screen, um, a projector, your clicker, anything that you're using that requires relies on electricity and technology, test it quite early on when you arrive. Test the audio if you have any video clips coming out from your presentation. And also if you're wanting to play music uh, for your guest as they arrive or in the breaks and things like that, test that also. Have those things up and running so that you know you're ready to go. You can always blank your screen if when you're in your PowerPoint presentation mode, you can hit B on your keyboard, which will black out your screen. You can hit W on your keyboard, which will whiten your screen. Um, and you just press any key spacebar to bring it all back again. So you may feel that you want to keep that um, blanked out. You may want to have your first slide as your holding screen as part of the uh, welcome message, for example, to your delegates. That's fine. Do check either yourself or with your IT technician that may be working with you um, whether your laptop or projector has a standby mode where it will turn itself off after not being used for a period of time. And is it possible to remove that for the period of your seminar?
The next thing to uh, sort out after you've sorted out your technology is do you have packs with you? You know, often with teaching seminars and presentations, you have beautifully presented packs with the branding and logo and name of the company on there. Do you have that with you? If so, this is going to be the identity of your event. When you lay your packs out, do ensure that they're not just placed down any old how. Make sure that they're nicely lined up and that if you're using a pen, for example, that the pen is laid out all the same direction with the, the lid of the pen, uh, all facing the same way. Wherever you want to put them, whether it's across the top of the pack or on the right hand side, it's entirely up to you. But do make sure that they are all the same on every table at every place setting. It's always the same. Do check with your venue whether they have their own pads and pens. Some of the high end um, hotels and conference venues will provide you with those things. You may feel you don't want them because it, they will be branded with the venue's name and detail. And so you may want your own. Do tell them in advance that you don't require them because it will save you time having to remove theirs. Um, and you don't want to have both. Unless, of course, your packs are purely for information and then you can use the venue's notepads for taking notes. That's absolutely fine. Also, your packs are an introduction to your delegates of your event. So the way they are presented will tell them a lot about the event that they're attending. Are you having snacks on your table? Aside from having a refreshments table to the side of your room, which we'll talk a bit about later, are you having any snacks on your table itself? Sometimes people will have some mints or sweets on the table um, and that's absolutely fine. If that's what you choose to do, do have snacks that are individually wrapped. What we don't want is things like peanuts, crisps, fruit that's been cut up, you know, um, and made into skewers or kebabs or even, you know, loosely laid out onto a plate. Personally, I'm not a fan of anything that isn't individually wrapped because once one person or two people put their hands into a bowl of crisps or peanuts, there'll be others who decide they don't want to touch them. And so really your snacks are going to waste. But also, crisps will go soft fruit will go brown, sandwiches will go hard on the edges. So anything that isn't wrapped only has a certain lifespan. If you use things that have a short lifespan, it means that you can't uncover them or present them until your delegates have arrived. And so you're now frantically running around trying to uncover bowls or whatever it may be. So I wouldn't advise to have anything that's not wrapped. If you do have snacks, keep them neutral. What I mean by neutral is something that's not Moorish, for want of a better word. Peanuts are very Moorish. Uh, little cheese savouries are Moorish. You just want to have more. Once you've had one or two, you want more of them. And so suddenly you've got people <laughs> feeding themselves on these snacks constantly throughout the, the conference. And so those things are best avoided. Also, um, there are certain types of sweets that, you know, you just want more of them. So it's best to keep it neutral, um, you know, neutral mints 
or um, hard boiled sweets, something like that, that, you know, once you've had one, it's probably enough. Also, can your snacks be noiseless, silent? That may be difficult, but it is possible to get wrapped sweets that have less noise when you're unwrapping them. Because one person unwrapping them is probably not going to make a great amount of noise. But if you have 100 or 200 delegates in the room and they're all unwrapping sweets, it's going to be very distracting for your speaker. Now, with regards to promos, promotional material. It's OK to have promotional material on your tables, but I would suggest that it's kept subtle. So, for example, if it's a business card promoting the speaker, you don't need to have one for every person. I would say keep it scant, put a few in the middle and whoever wants to take them can take them. If they ask for more, have them ready to give out. But I wouldn't crowd the table uh, with promotional material. Also, do ensure that the promotional material is relevant. For example, the speaker may have an alternative business or the speaker's mother may bake cakes. Those things are not relevant to your event or their event. It's not relevant. And so I feel it would be inappropriate to promote anything other than what the conference itself is about or the person that it's about or the product that it's about. Anything outside of that should not be promoted on the tables at your event. Your registration desk or your registration station should be simple. It should be positioned just inside the door or just outside of the door. But you do need to be able to see into the room to gauge what's going on at any given time. Now, of course, those with you, those people that are assisting you, um, it's ideal if they do the registration, which would free you up to deal with anything else. Do keep your registration simple in that when guests arrive, they are not asked to listen to a long spiel about what's going to happen next, what they need to do and where they need to go. Ideally, they would just register their name if they haven't done this in advance and they would be advised that there are refreshments available and in which direction. And they can move on and then you see to the next person. It can be frustrating if you're arriving at a seminar or conference and you're kept in a queue waiting. So it's best to keep your guests moving along. If you are expecting large numbers of people, it's great, if possible, to have two desks for registration or have two or three people on any one desk so that they are operating. They all have their own list or their own tablet to check people in. Information can be passed over, for example, if you have three identical registration lists with three people working at the registration desk. After the seminar has begun, you can ask them to transfer all of the names onto one list or all of the tick marks onto one list. And that will be your comprehensive list. Merchandise. If you choose to have any merchandise for sale uh, at your event, Absolutely fine, but do not have your, your merchandise de desk next to your registration desk or too close to it. If people are crowding the merchandise desk, they're blocking the registration desk. 
And so it's not a great idea to have them near to each other. As I said, do not overload your guests, but it's great if they know where to go next. So for example, welcome, can I take your name? Thank you so much. Please help yourself to refreshments which are over on the left. That's as much as you need to say. If they have a question for you, fantastic. You answer the question to the best of your ability, but don't overload them. When I say that, I mean, for example, a guest arrive and you say, welcome. How are you today? How was your journey? Please may I take your name? Thank you so much. Here is a pack for you, for you to use throughout the conference. And also, can I take your name again for a badge? Uh, once they have the badge, um, and if you'd like your, to make your way over to the left for teas, coffees, biscuits, pastries, um, or to the right where there is some merchandise for sale, or you're more than welcome to take a seat. It's just too much. It's too much. So keep it very simple. If you have additional people with you, as I've said, or it may be you that is free to mingle with people arriving, you can give them additional information as and when they need it. So once they have registered and they have maybe had a look at the, the merchandise table, you may say to them, if you'd like some refreshments, it's just over here to your left. Keep an eye on your room. Keep an eye on what people are doing. Does anybody look uncomfortable? If people are engaging in conversation with each other, don't disturb them. But keep an eye on what your delegates are doing and what your delegates may need. Always think about the flow of your room. So as I've said, it's not a good idea to have the merchandise table too close to the registration table. But look at how your room will flow. So when people arrive, which way do they need to go? Is it obvious to them where they need to register? If the registration desk is too far from the entrance, they may bypass it, not knowing that they need to register. And you may be left waiting for guests who are actually already in the room, but they didn't register with you, so you don't know. It's not a great idea to have the refreshments table too close to the merchandise table because we're thinking about crumbs, we're thinking about spillages. If you have the type of merchandise like books, t-shirts, sweatshirts, anything like that, soft materials, for example, and somebody spills a cup, a cup of coffee over them, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna go down very well. And so it's good to separate these. Now, of course, if somebody goes to the refreshments table and gets a cup of coffee and then walks over to the merchandise table, you can't block them. <laughs> and say, uh, no, you cannot access this area. Of course you can't, but it's less likely if you separate the two when the opposite ends of the room, maybe. Now, having said that, depending on the size of your space, it's a good idea to have all of your tables, your refreshments, your merchandise, your registration, anything like that, at the back of the room. If you put them to the front, or even to the sides at the front, you will find there are those rule breakers, I like to call them, who just before the speaker has quite finished, will run off to the merchandise table because they want to be the first to purchase that book or that item that the, the speaker has just mentioned. Especially if there's a special deal or a special offer, they may want to be the first. They may want to avoid the crowd of people that are about to go up there. 
And of course, they're now walking to the front of the room and people are watching them instead of the speaker. So try to keep everything at the back, but with enough space. So when you hire your venue space and when you arrange your seating, for example, if you have 100 delegates, 100 delegates seated theatre star is going to take up a lot less space than 100 delegates seated cabaret style. But what does your event need, you see? Do you need tables for people to make notes? Do you need people to converse with each other and work in groups? Is it an interactive session where you need people to be discussing case studies, for example, together before feeding back to the wider audience? All of this needs to be considered. And is it a case where you only have enough space for your tables, for your conference, and not enough space for additional tables like merchandise? Could the merchandise be outside of the room, just outside of the room, in a sort of foyer area? All of these things are to be considered when you're thinking about the flow of your room. Do leave enough space at the back so people can network and mingle and talk to each other. And, and also do your best, it's not always possible, do your best to set up the room so that the entrance to the room is at the back of the room. So that any latecomers, people wanting to use the bathroom, they're not disturbing other people. Do your guests know where to find you? If you are holding your event in a building that has multiple floors and multiple meeting rooms, it may be that you advise them in advance via an email or any kind of communication where the meeting is being held. But quite often people don't retain that information and when they arrive at the venue, they don't want to start searching previous emails looking for that information. And so it's always advisable to make sure that the people who are seated on the reception desk on the ground floor of a building know that you are having a meeting that day and in what location so they can advise your guests. If you're in a building that doesn't have uh, in-house receptionist, then signage is what is needed. Now, your signage should include the name of your event and the location of your event. Where I would place these signs is at the entrance to the building, if possible. If it's a large corporate building that has uh, receptionists, as I mentioned, they may send your guests up to the appropriate floor level. Once they arrive on that floor, I would have signage outside of the lifts or the stairwell pointing in the direction of the meeting room, again with the title of, of your, the name of your event on there, and then also again outside of the room. I'm somebody who doesn't retain information when it comes to directions. So if the person on the ground floor says to me, make your way up to the fourth floor, turn left and then right, and your meeting room will be on the left. I, she's lost me at turn left. I received the first two bits of information and then I, it just disappears. And so it's good that even if she has told me, I also have the signage available to see where I need to go. Please bear in mind that when it comes to conferences and seminars and meetings, people don't tend to arrive early. They tend to aim to arrive on time. And so being held up 
because they couldn't find you or because the receptionist had a queue and wasn't able to deal with them immediately means that they're now running late, which means they may be flustered when they arrive. It means they may be irritated because they were on time and now they're not. And it, they see it as not their fault. <laughs> and so we want to avoid this because a flustered, irritated delegate doesn't tend to receive what you have to say to them. When you're trying to very politely greet them when they have arrived at your meeting room location. So let's try to avoid that by making sure they can see where their meeting is being held. Bathrooms, restrooms, toilets, ladies, gents, lavatories, whatever we call them, we need to check them. We need to check them well in advance of our delegates arriving. When we first arrive at the venue, having set up your room, now check your bathrooms. For example, if there is um, not enough toilet tissue in the bathrooms, it's a problem because you need it. If at that stage, when the delegate has arrived, and they may or may not inform you, but if they come and ask you uh, for toilet tissue or they inform you that there isn't any left, you either have to try and find some or you have to try and find somebody who can find some. Either way, your delegate is left waiting or your restrooms become a real mess and you want to avoid that because what will happen is the delegate will remember that as a negative experience and they won't associate that negative experience with the venue. They'll associate that negative experience with your event, including your response. Even if we respond politely, they still have to wait 20 minutes before somebody can find some toilet tissue. There is going to be a level of frustration there. So do check your toilets. Make sure they have ample supplies. Now, in addition, and if you really want to impress, it's worth having a basket or a box of extra supplies in your bathrooms that just add that extra touch. I'm talking about sanitary products for the ladies' bathrooms. Hand cream, safety pins, some kind of body spray or fragrance, wet wipes, deodorant, uh, wrapped mints, for example. These kinds of things that would be useful either in an emergency or just as an extra nice thing to add. Hand moisturizer adds a level of luxury at very little cost. And so you want your guests feeling like they're being looked after. And not many bathrooms have these kinds of things. And so you being able to have that at your event, they don't need to know that it was you and not the venue, but it adds a touch that people will talk about. Somebody will go back to the table and say, oh, did you see, you know, have you tried that hand moisturizer? It's an extra bonus for you. Depending on the season, and the country and location that your event is taking place. If people are wearing coats at that time of the year, 
It's always great to have somewhere they can hang their coats and their scarves. If they're flying in from another country to attend your event and they're coming straight to you, they're not going to a hotel, they may have luggage with them, a little carry case or, or something. And so it's good to be able to accommodate those things. If your event is taking place in a venue that doesn't have its own cloakroom, then is it possible to have a coat rail similar to what you see in the picture here, a coat rail that could be in the room because guests want to feel that their belongings are safe. So they'll be in the room at the back of the room and you can say to them as they arrive, can I take your coat or would you like to hang your coat? It's a nice additional touch and it saves the hazard of having coats and scarves and bags seated around the table or trailing from chairs around the table. Um, bear in mind also that if it's coat season, i.e. it's winter outside um, and it's cold, it's cold outside, but it's not cold inside because you would have set the temperature. So when people arrive, the change in temperature can cause them to be a bit flustered and so they may be, you know, taking off coats and taking off scarves and trying to hold their coat and scarf while they also register and get a badge. And so being able to offer them a space to put their coats is very helpful. Just before your guests arrive, test your tech again. Again, because if they have standby facilities, as I said earlier, they could have turned themselves off. Do a quick check again, make sure everything's up and running, make sure the audio is working, the clicker is turned on and ready to go, and everything can run smoothly at the beginning of your event. Do check the room for hazards. It may be that uh, everything was fine when you first arrived and everything was set up nicely, but for example, somebody's asked for an extension lead because they want to use their laptop or the presenter has asked for an extension lead or an extra microphone that's on a cable, whatever it may be, do check the room again before your guests arrive for any hazards and attempt to tape down any trailing wires, remove any bags, anything that, you know, tablecloths that are a bit too long and they're trailing on the floor and sticking out, tuck them under, tuck them in and under the tables, but make sure there is no nothing that can harm anybody or any trip hazards in the room. And check yourself. We often forget to check ourselves. We've been at the venue for two hours now, maybe more, and we're rushing around, checking everything, setting everything up, and we don't check ourselves. It may be that we've grabbed some breakfast and we have something stuck in our teeth. It may be that we have coffee breath now because we had a quick coffee. It could be that we're just a little bit windblown because we've been running up and down and, you know, always check yourself before your guests arrive to make sure that you are the best presented that you can be. Now we're going to look at when your guests are actually arriving. By this point, your room should be all set up, ready to go. Nobody is doing anything that looks remotely like setting up. So your tech guy should be finished and out of the way.
any anybody that's working with you, any assistants or friends or whoever is working alongside you should be finished what they're doing. Anything that should be removed needs to be removed. Boxes, storage cartons, anything like that needs to go. Any, you know, catering trolleys, pa packaging from merchant merchandise, all needs to go. Stand at your door, have a look at what you see, make sure you are ready to receive your guests. Now we mentioned it earlier in another slide, but I'll go over it briefly again. Greet your guests, but don't overload them. If you have other people working with you, this could be their role. Somebody who is friendly and warm, but not overly chatty and knows how to greet a variety of different types of people. We don't want someone who's going to irritate others by too much information, too many questions, but someone who is warm and friendly. As I said, don't overload your guests with badges, packs, all sorts of instructions. Keep it simple, keep them moving. Do interact with your guest to a certain level. You don't be personal, but you can ask simplified foundational questions like, how was your journey? Can I get anything for you? Would you like some refreshments? So do interact with them, but don't stand having long conversations with them. As the start of your event approaches, because most events will say we start at 10, but they may start at 10.30 or 10.15 to allow people to arrive and register and grab some refreshments. At the official start time of your talk, presentation, seminar, five minutes prior to that, give a warning, either over the microphone or if it's not too large a group, you can circulate the room and just informing people in groups, we will be starting in five minutes. That's all you need to say. This will allow your guests to use the bathroom if they choose to, get some more refreshments if they choose to, have a final look at merchandise, find a seat if they haven't already, or get seated ready for the start of the session. Now let's have a look at what happens during the presentation. Now, some of this, because this teaching, this course is about preparing for a presentation and the things to do, the do's and don'ts. I didn't want to go into the realm of how to give a presentation or if you're the speaker, what to say. I veered away from that, but I have put a few tips in here that I think would be helpful as the organizer of the event because Quite often you are overseeing the run and the flow of the event and so you are corresponding with your speaker to ensure that all runs smoothly. So here are a few tips that you can give them. Observe your audience, whether it be you or the speaker or maybe you are the speaker, you're planning the event but you're also the speaker at the event. Always observe your audience. Are they putting on scarves and coats? Maybe they're too cold. Or are they fanning themselves with bits of paper? Maybe they're too hot. You need to adjust the room temperature. Those working with you 
need to read you so that and read the audience so they know when to adjust temperatures adjust lighting that's an instruction you can give them in advance and instruct them to keep an eye and constantly feel the room are your guests looking sleepy are they slumping in their seats it may be that you need to get them moving with some kind of interaction now a word of warning here I've been to so many events where they say right let's get you moving up you get let's do 10 jumping jacks personally I don't appreciate that I don't appreciate doing jumping jacks in my formal wear uh, it doesn't work for me some events it's so appropriate and it works very well and it lifts the whole mood of the room know your audience businessmen and women in suits probably not going to appreciate jumping jacks whereas if you're doing some kind of youth conference or young people or fun kind of free thinking people who just will embrace whatever you decide to go with then great go with that but know your audience if they are looking sleepy consider that you may need to change your tone you may need to interact with them more because really they may be getting bored if they're getting bored of the subject or it might be a particular section or module that you're on that doesn't interest them and you may not be able to do anything about that but it may be that you as the day has gone on that you you've got a little bit flat and you need to pick it up a pace it's always a good idea to give a short comfort break also especially after a lunch session where people would have eaten and and, and had drinks and maybe hot drinks Give them a comfort break, you know, maybe an hour after the lunch break. And it gives you a chance to maybe rest for a minute, move around a little bit, maybe get yourself a drink and start afresh with a lifted tone. So here's one of the tips. If it's you speaking or if you have a relationship with the speaker where you're able to suggest that they move around the room, or move around the stage at least if you have a speaker or you are a speaker who stands still the whole time behind a lectern looking at your notes or looking at your laptop screen it's hard for people to engage with you it's hard for them to relate to you so it's worth taking advantage of the variety of courses out there that teach you how to do a successful presentation when you're actually delivering how to do public speaking I highly recommend them because it's worth learning a few tips that will keep your audience engaged if you do move around the room don't move around so much that your guests can't find you they can hear your booming voice coming through the speakers via the microphone but they can't see where you are because you're moving around so much that they've put their head down to write some notes they've looked up and you're gone and they're trying to find you with their eyes so I wouldn't suggest you move that much, but do circulate the room or at least circulate the stage to keep things interesting. When you have a break, if you're the speaker, or again, if you have a relationship with the speaker and you notice that they're kind of keeping themselves to themselves, do interact with your delegates. It's very tempting when there's a break to go and check your mobile phone 
as this gentleman's doing here or to you know look at your next set of notes ready for the next part of the session well really that should have been done prior to that point prior to that day interacting with your delegates says to them i care about you i'm interested in what you may have to say i'm friendly i'm approachable and that's what you want in a good speaker you don't want someone who's so detached from their audience that they see themselves above being able to speak to the people who have potentially paid to come and hear them speak. During breaks, great idea to replenish the tables and it's a great idea to remove any items that are of no use anymore. For example, clearing away any litter, any cups, are emptied, um, any any um, skins or peels, if someone's eating an apple, for example, and the core is sitting on the table, turning brown, uh, not pleasant. It's particularly not pleasant for the person who hasn't eaten the apple and they're watching this thing turn brown. Same with banana peel. Um, anything that, ha that can be removed, do so. Please do not use black garbage sacks to do that or any kind of bags or trays or anything like that take what you can in your own hands sensibly so don't stack cups on top of each other that could fall take what you can comfortably remove them come back for more even if you have to return several times do not touch packs pens notepads anything like that that could be intrusive. Don't be tempted to rearrange the table or try to get it back to looking how it was before the session started. It's not appropriate to do so and it will feel intrusive to those who have left their belongings for just five minutes to take a break and they come back and everything's been rearranged. So simply remove litter or used cups and saucers if you're sure the person has absolutely finished with them. Now, following the event, many people make the mistake of rushing the pack down and rushing delegates out of the room. Bear in mind that even when the speaker has wrapped up for the day and they have finished and they have dismissed the delegates, your event is still going on. If it's appropriate, play some music to add some confidentiality. Because what can often happen is depending on the topic of your subject, of your conference, people may want to speak to the speaker. Even if it's just to say, thank you. That was so appropriate. That's really encouraged me. They do like to be able to speak to the speaker. Sometimes a speaker can be seen as a bit, a bit of a celebrity and they just like the fact that they got to speak to them one-to-one -one personally. So if you add some music in the background, that can add a level of confidentiality so that others that are waiting to speak to the speaker are not hearing the conversation that the speaker is having with any one person. Now, of course, the choice of music is important. You don't want anything that's too up-tempo. You, of course, don't want anything with inappropriate lyrics, and you don't want anything that's too distracting. 
it should set a nice mood and be set at a, a, an acceptable level where people can still hear each other speak but they're um, and they're not being drowned out by the music but the music is loud enough to offer a covering of confidentiality now with conversations again if it's you that's the speaker or if you're able to pass on this information to a speaker keep it brief that point where people are queuing to speak to you is not the point where people need to go into life stories or full blow by blow accounts of a situation or an occasion where something happened to them it's up to you as the speaker to keep it brief and there are ways to do that it may be that you have to offer them some one-to-one -one time and you hand them your card and you arrange another time to meet if it's appropriate to meet so that you can have a proper conversation or a telephone conversation it may be that you refer them to other courses or seminars or sessions that are going on on this topic or you know they may need uh, referring to counseling for example you can refer them on but you need to have the skills to stop someone going into a long detailed explanation of what it is that they want to say but being able to do that without being rude without feeling like you just don't have time for them bear in mind that others are waiting to speak to you and people will only wait so long and it's good that people want to speak with you it could mean future bookings for you it could be that you speak something to somebody that will free them from something they're struggling with it's great that they want to speak with you it's a good sign but bear in mind that there are several people who want to speak with you do indicate to those that are waiting that you've seen them it could be a quick flick of the eyes to them and then back to the person you're speaking to it could be a quick hand signal that says I won't be too long whatever it may be don't let those that are waiting feel ignored because you're taking quite a lot of time with the first person also be mindful of the time again it comes down to the pat down if you have ample time to come out of the building then you may have more time to spend speaking with people but bear in mind that whilst you're still having conversations your event cannot end and therefore all the people who are assisting including the venue contact cannot move on to the next stage until you have finished and so be mindful of that and be respectful of people's time refreshments are an absolute no-no unless it's part of your plan when i say part of your plan i mean you may in you may encourage some networking or interaction after your session and therefore you provide additional refreshments you may feel that you want people to um, fill out for example evaluation forms um, on how your session went and they you're happy for them to have an additional cup of coffee while they do that but if it isn't part of your plan do ensure that refreshments are packed up and removed after the final break because people will grab a coffee for the road or they'll stand and talk for much longer because there are refreshments available and you want to avoid that 
Now we can begin with our pack down, but a word of warning before you do so. Wait. Don't be tempted to go straight into packing down and pulling out black garbage sacks and, you know, taking tablecloths off the table and stacking chairs or whatever it is that's required for you to pack down. If you're at a high end venue where there are teams of people working for an event department that deal with that, don't allow them to come in and start packing down until all of your delegates have left. Now, of course, there has to be a reasonable amount of time and a reasonable ex expectation of, you, of your guests to have left the, the space, to have left the room or the venue. And there are ways of ensuring that they move on. But it has to be done politely and strategically, but not to seem as if you just want to get rid of them. And so you can ask them things like, thank you so much for attending. Is there anything else I can help you with? Now, to me, that's polite, but it's final. Unless, of course, there is something that you can help them with. But if there isn't, they're probably have to say, thank you for having me. No, there's nothing more. Thank you. And they begin to make their way to the exit. Statements like that can leave your delegates feeling cared for, looked after, not pushed away and fulfilled that they got everything they needed from that event. Of course, if you have merchandise or you have books being sold, it's quite likely that people will visit that station at the end of the session. Now, you can encourage them throughout your event to make sure they don't leave it to the end by saying things like, we only have a limited number of books. So the sooner you purchase during the breaks, the better it will be. And that can encourage people to not wait until the end. But what can happen is if you have a book launch, for example, and the author of the books of the books is there, people are naturally going to want to speak with the author, take a picture with the author and have their books signed by the author. And so you need to allow that time, and I would say a good hour at the end of any presentation or speech for that to happen. And the cues may be long for that. And so as the author or the organiser who can communicate with the author, do advise them that, again, that's not an opportunity for the delegate to pour their hearts out to you while you're signing their book. You need to keep it short and brief as short and as brief as possible. Now, it's very tempting at the end of an event to swipe everything into one big pile or into a bag and leave because you're tired. It's been a long day or a long evening. Uh, you're rushing for time because you've got to be out. What I would advise you is to have those that are helping you strategically packing up for you to free you to maybe deal with the delegates. And what I would advise them is to make a pile of unused packs if you have used if, if you've used packs for your event, any that haven't been used, any spares or extras, pack those up. If they can be used again, if they're not branded specifically for that event, then pack them away very neatly and they can be used again. Any packs that have been used but have been left behind by the delegates, put them into a pile, keep them, keep them. 
at a later stage, and it may be on your train ride home, your plane ride home, it may be at home, it may be at the office. Have a quick look through them because they'll tell you a lot about your event. If there's lots of doodling and scribbling and note writing on them, it may be that you didn't engage your delegates the way you would have liked to. And you may need to review the way that you deliver your speeches or your uh, teaching seminars. I mean, it might be that they're just you've got a room full of doodlers. It's likely, but less likely. It might be that they, someone has taken lots and lots and lots of notes, very comprehensive notes, and they've just left their pack by accident. Keep hold of it because they may request it from you. That certainly happened to me. Um, and they were distraught that they'd written all these notes down and then got talking and then left with somebody um, in converse, deep in conversation and had left their pack behind and, and felt it was all lost. And I said, oh, no, no, I have it. And I was able to give it to them. Again, credit to you. If there's any printed material that's specific to your event that's left on the table, pack these up also and you may want to dispose of them or you may want to take them with you. But it's a good idea to take your any material that belongs to you or to your event away with you. Don't leave that to your venue to pack up. It's a bit like being in a restaurant and leaving an awful mess on the table and walking away. That person who has to deal with it is probably rolling their eyes. Even though it's their job, it's not the most polite thing to do. And so you minimize that by clearing away what belongs to you and then leaving the rest to them because that's the agreement. It may be that you have to pack up the whole room. Be very clear what your venue requires of you. I've been at venues, I mean, it's many years ago now, but things like local community centers and community halls, they may require you to stack away the tables, stack away the chairs, sweep the room or hoover the room. They'll give you a broom or a hoover to do this with, but they have a requirement that the, the hall or the community center is left ready for the next user. Be very, very clear and check with them because it may be that you've paid a deposit and you don't get that deposit back because it was left unclean. Do check that. If there's any lost property been left behind by your delegates, gather it up and leave it with the venue. Don't take it with you unless you know the person and are going to see them in the next day or two. For example, you may work with them um, and you want to take it along. But even if you do take it with you, do report to the venue what has been lost and that you are taking it with you because naturally people will return to the place where they last had that thing. So if they remember they had it last at your event, they will contact the venue. And at least the venue can say, oh yes, that was reported, but your conference organizer took it with them because they said they'd see you the next day. Great, peace of mind, and they'll see you tomorrow in the office and they'll get it from you. Otherwise, leave it at the venue. Make sure you report it to your venue contact and make sure you confirm with them that you're leaving it with them. And if anyone calls, it's there for them to collect from the venue. Be very, very clear about that, because for you, it's just a set of headphones or a wallet or a phone. 
but to the person who's lost those things, it's very precious. So they need the peace of mind that it's been found and it's safe. Now, before you leave, you've tidied everything away, you've reported lost property, do a final sweep. And I don't mean with a broom, as implied here in the picture. I mean a sweep of the eye. Ensure that you've tidied away everything that you need to tidy away according to the prearranged plan with the venue. Check your list that you would have made to see that you have everything that you came with. So it could be your clicker, for example. It could be particular stationery from your toolkit. Anything like that, make sure that you have that with you. If there is an IT technician working with you that has been provided by the venue, leave the technology to them. Don't touch it. Just unplug your laptop if it's yours or your clicker, whatever it may be, and take that with you. But leave everything else to them. You don't want to be responsible for turning off their machinery and you've done it wrong and it's blown a speaker or something. Leave it with them. And as you leave, let your venue know that you've left everything off. Always bid farewell to your venue contact. Don't just leave unless there's nobody there. If it is some kind of, you know, like a community center where there's no one on duty and they'll be coming back later to lock up for you, then by all means leave. But generally there is somebody there to communicate with. Always say goodbye to them. Inform them that you're leaving the building. Tell them anything they need to know, like the lost property, like the electronics have been left on, the technology is still in place. And if necessary and appropriate, leave a business card or contact details with them so that if there is any reason for them to communicate with you, they have a way of doing so. Now, bear in mind that the person that you communicate with on the day of your event at the venue is often not the person you communicate with in the pre-planning stages. Quite often you have a team of event planners that work nine to five, um, and on the end of a phone or able to show you around a venue if you do a site visit, they tend to be a different team to those who will be physically present on the day. And so make sure that the, the person on the day has your contact details. Some of you are thinking the following day, I thought it was all over. <laughs> There's just a little bit more to do, but it's essential that you do these things following your event to ensure that you leave a good impression and that you perform as the professional that you are. Follow up with your client, your employer, uh, your contact at the venue, follow up with them, acknowledge that the event has gone well, presumably it has, appreciate the opportunity to do the work that you've done for them and express your thanks to them. Give them some feedback. It could be that it went wonderfully well, but it could be that there were some errors or there were... Now, you don't need to go into the nitty gritty with your client or with your employer, but you may need to go into the nitty gritty with your venue contact. For example, there wasn't sufficient supplies of toilet tissue in the bathrooms, or I asked for a cordless microphone and I was told on the day there were only wired microphones available. 
whatever it may be, gauge who and what you feed back because you don't want to bog your client down with detail. Remember this client, you want them to use you again. So you don't give them all the detail. You don't lie to them, but you don't give them all the little intricate details because really, as I said at the beginning, they've hired you to do all of this. They don't need all of the detail. They just need to know it went well. And I would suggest that you do that via uh, email in the first instance and if appropriate and you have that right relationship with them you can drop a phone call in maybe the following day after that and say just checking that you got the email is everything okay thank you for the opportunity look forward to working with you again now feedback as I mentioned in the previous slide is essential you learn from it your venue will learn from it your client may learn from it, depending on what the feedback is. It may be that the speaker that they've, they've chosen wasn't necessarily appropriate for the audience. And you might feel, depending on your relationship, that it's appropriate to mention that. Um, if anything in particular happened on the day, it could have been a, a medical emergency or something that took place at the event that it's important for people to know because there could be a fallback on this then let your client know, let your employer know. If you have worked with a team, assistants that were there for you, working alongside you, or uh, you know, IT professionals that are part of your company that worked alongside you, do hold a debrief. Now the name is a clue. Debrief needs to be brief. If your debrief goes on for an hour or two, it's less likely that people are going to attend because they don't see it as important. The event is over, it's happened, it's done, not important. But to you, it is important. Don't allow your debrief to only consist of potential errors or things that went wrong, things that need to be put right or need to be avoided for the future. Compliment the people that worked with you for what they did well. Discuss with them whether they were comfortable in those positions, i.e. the person assisting you was asked to greet guests as they arrived. They may have felt more comfortable just ticking off names on the registration list. Check with them because you want the right people in the right places to get the best performance. But keep it brief. If there is an extensive conversation to be had with one particular person, then meet with them at another time or following the debrief if they are available. And lastly, offer your service. If you're debriefing with a client, for example, then offer your services. Again, so I'd love to work with you again. You have my, my contact details. Feel free to contact me at any time. It was a pleasure working with you. Offer your services. Now, you can prepare your space for a professional presentation.